Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we look at all the latest news and goings-on, plus the latest social media and internet craze. Call that a dive? Now that's a dive. It's Temunurmio. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of the Super Pessis Random Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me as ever is our resident coach, it's Mikko Pierhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? All good. Uh, it's getting really busy in the Pesapalo season, uh, as you know, because you've been here like seeing the games live and uh, <laughs> in the thick of the action, so you probably know better better than me at this point. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, this is the first episode, actually, where not only are all the people who are on the podcast in the same country, but we're actually in the same city uh, as well. Um, so that's that's a nice first. But yeah, it's been it's been great to be back here in Finland this year. I've been watching some incredible games, uh, both men's and women's, um, both in Urkespesis and Superpesis as well, which has been great. Um, been getting a real feel for it. Um, you can feel that atmosphere. Of course, um, we were at Italansi, and now we've shifted. I think we mentioned in the last podcast, this is now the business end of the season. So things are starting to look a little more serious, a little closer towards the postseason. Um, so first of all, of course, uh, news. Uh, the main story Um is one that's gone international, which is is not something we often say about Pesapolo. But it was that clip. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll, I'll add a link uh, to the podcast description. But it is Temonurmio's dive into a river headfirst at Sarikanta. Now, for baseball fans, for other sports fans around the world... This seems like a really strange clip. A lot of people actually thought it might have been staged, but it's not. Um, Mikko, you and I know the game for a number of years now. I mean, obviously, you've got a lot more experience than I do, and you've played at Zarekanta. So you know these things um, are real. But what did you make, first of all, of the clip itself? Well, I was... I was mainly interested in the publicity that it was gaining. That uh, I wasn't like uh, like checking it out every five minutes or so, but it was interesting to see in social media that it was just gaining more and more like exposure. And uh, it's like it's not every day that you see a Pesapalo clip on, for example, on TSN in, 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 in US. So 
yeah it's it's wild and uh as we have mentioned before uh Saragenta is unique and uh i mean we we have a lot of different kinds of stadiums and pitches but uh for me it's a special place even though it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel like it when you're the one who has to go <laughs> to that particular river but that is part and parcel of the game and uh i was just happy that it like made people see this new aspect of this sport and uh it was there was there were some funny tweets about it also that it's a wild wild sport which it is well it's it's also dangerous because of course um we were mentioning just before the show that um it's not just a, a river bed itself. There are actually quite some sharp and dangerous rocks down there. Um, but thankfully, of course, uh, Temu is fine. He, he was uninjured by it. Um, and like you say, uh, he's he's gone at it with um, with that kind of humour um, that that uh, that the clip really deserves. Now, we would normally cut to our resident. Sari Kenta and Vimpley expert, and indeed our resident baseball expert, uh, Ron Bronson. But uh, sadly, he couldn't make it to this show today. But he did uh, speak to me earlier and offer me a uh, clip. This was his thoughts on the Temu Nermio viral clip. The Temu's clip was, well, I had two thoughts. The first thought that I had was, it's always fun when people are talking about Pesapalo. So I really enjoyed that. That part's my favorite part, for sure. Um, my second thought was that I'm always reluctant to have North Americans talking about Pace Apollo because it inevitably turns into some kind of gag or joke where they're like, he, 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 they're running in the wrong direction. <laughs> why did it, why is it, why is that happen with the ball? I thought it was fun that many of the comment threads on Twitter were just Finns and, and a bunch of us commenting and explaining to people why things were the way they were and why they were happening the way they were. It's like, no, 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 the ball has to bounce. No, 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 the, the camera's in the creek because this happens. Not head first, but it does happen. I think Tamu deserves um, all the accolades and any endorsements he deserves for bringing the sport uh, lots of uh, impressions and attention. And I do think that, that while we've obviously all been very critical of many of the choices that have been made this year by Pasapalito, um, that this kind of uh, media attention will hopefully agitate them to do things like Consider that there is an there's a possible audience for the sport outside of Finland. No, I don't want expansion teams in America or even in the UK, but I do think that there's a there's a, a missed opportunity uh, relative to what we've been doing, and this is this was another example of of, of that you know of, of trying to build that audience and, and doing more intentional things to build that audience. So hopefully, this means we're one step closer to Ian and I broadcasting our uh, English language game someday. In the near future. So that's what I thought of that. It's not just that clip that was the highlight of the game, because of course that hit itself creates the one of the home runs in the game. Now I remember um, this was Monday night game, and I was looking on social media at about half time. Uh, between the Axo and I saw the clip of Johan Niemi's home run uh, 
as the last batter. So all of the all of the fielders at the very edge of the field, ready to try and stop that home run, which actually was the deciding factor in that uh, first Yaxel. And I thought to myself when I saw that, I thought, well, there's the highlight reel for the uh, for the game. And I switched off. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I mean, nobody's talking about that. It was a beautiful hit, but nobody's talking about that. Yes, of course, a lot of people are talking about the uh, Temu Nurmio clip that we just mentioned. But actually, there was something more special uh, in the game. Uh, and that was El Mariantela's three home runs, one of which um, made it into that uh, Temu Nurmio clip, as I said. Uh, Miko, it doesn't happen very often, uh, three home runs no. um, in a game. No. But uh, w- what did you make of that? It's uh, It's becoming like even more rare and rare uh, these days when the when the outfields are getting better and better and the players are getting more athletic even though like also the equipment is has gone up a bit so the ball is like moving faster and the players are obviously more athletic also as batters but but Antila has proven that he is a pretty much a, like a unique player that he has he has it all in his locker and uh, on his day when he like uh, when he gets it going uh, he's pretty much uh, he's not just the handful he's uh, like like we saw that all the three home runs game came after the break and uh, Nico Korhonen did that in Joensu back in 2013 in a similar manner that he also didn't hit like a single hit actually in the first Yaxo and then he hit three home runs in the second Yaxo. I, I remember it like <laughs> way too well because I, I was the coach of the <laughs> Joensu team but uh, anyway uh, I don't remember the exact numbers they were on social media that how how many times it has happened but uh, we're, we're talking like uh, <clears throat> in the last 30 years when we went from nine innings into playing in Yaxo manner I, I don't think there were other occasions in the men in Menso Perpesis. I I might be wrong here. It's just out of the top of my mind. Yeah, I mean it, it is a rarity, um, as you say, and it really for me shows the the spirit of, of Impley this year. That kind of okay, well, you take the first Jack so and then they come out and absolutely smash it. In the second, and this is one of the reasons why they're they're currently top of the the table. Um, they they just have this kind of never say die attitude, and they they're playing incredibly well, and they've got threats up and down the lineup, as we say. But it was an incredible game, um, and I was I was wrong to think that that Yuhan Yemi hit would be the only highlight uh, from it. But uh, I as I said before, I I love being proved wrong. On these things, it was absolutely incredible. Being a rarity, it was actually quite surprising to see that it was Hervin Kantako's women's team who 
did a similar feat with the Lotta Waffelinen, um, getting three home runs against the team, Kiritret. I mean, we've seen Emma Kirke for for years now knocking these home runs um, almost with ease, and for Tarko to to do that was was quite something special because in the end that's one of the things that uh, secured them a win um, in, in extra innings in the Super Bowl. And again, it's one of these these amazing things about the sport. It's sometimes it can be quite predictable, but then sometimes there's some little spark, some kind of magic that makes it uh, really special. Um, so even though it was a rarity, what we were talking a moment ago in the men's game, it was a little over, um, I think it might have been just about a week after we saw it in the women's uh, Super Pisces. So, uh, Miko, same question. What did you make of that? That one came out of the blue. I mean, if if somebody would have said to me that Elmer Antela would hit uh, three home runs against Taco, I would have said that it's it's going to be really hard, but it's doable. Uh, I mean, with his batting power and uh, being a like a proven Italian quality player by now. Lotta Vahvelainen is also a quality player, but those three were tremendous hits to begin with. And uh, to also to different sides of the field. And uh, what, what made it like uh, pretty unique in, in, in my books, at least, was that she scored every run of their team in that particular game. I mean, nobody else hit a single run and they won. Like they scored seven runs in the whole game and she had three home runs and four RBIs like in the side. So yeah, I I mean, you don't see that, but, but yeah. Uh, it's we we can all, always talk that they were f- facing a team that was in a bit of a turmoil after they had to change their game manager and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, credit where it's due that those were those were good clean power hits and uh, she deserved all the accolades that were coming her way after the game. Well, Vafelainen uh, hit three home runs in the entire season last year, which was uh, one of her better seasons. She'd only scored eight in her career, and that includes postseason up until that game. So, again, it tells you something. This wasn't, oh, it's that power hitter again, like Emma Kirker, as we say, um... But no, it it was incredible. And like you say, very clean hits, very good hits to exactly the right places of the park. Both sides of the field as well, which um, shows the range uh, of the the type of hits as well. So incredible. And to think it came so close um, to the men's game as well. Um, and in fact, it was the 
women's team of <laughs> Vimpoli's opponents, Tarkom, um, who had it done to them in Vimpoli, um, was also a kind of interesting fact, I thought, as well. In other news, um, we've seen Henry Paputi now uh, reach 600 uh, games and going strong. I mean, he's uh, he's an incredible player, had another Italancy selection again this year. Mansa now um, heading towards the back, uh, at the top of the table. Um, what's the limit on Henry Paputi, Miko? Do you think he's going to just keep going or... Do you think maybe he'll start to think about calling it a day soon? Uh, I think that now he's going to keep going for a good while because uh, because of the system. If they can keep it going so that they can rotate a bit so he doesn't have to play every game on the outfield because he's absolutely lethal uh, as a choker uh, as well. And uh, he's found some new, newfound confidence and joy into his game after coming to Tampere from Seinayoki. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he played like uh, three, f- even four more years or something like that. It, it depends. I mean, it, it wouldn't come as a shock if uh, he, he would only like carry on as a choker at some point but uh i don't know he's still when we go to outfielders uh, in in certain aspects he is still at least in top five in the business some say best in the business still but he has like 600 games my head goes after him and uh yeah, an incredible player in so many different roles, and uh, and yeah, he's seen it all and basically won it all, also. So yeah, well, um, I I remember when I interviewed him last year, uh, that joy that you talk about about finding the game again after being in Sanioki and, and, you know, sort of going through the motions is probably one of the ways I'd put it. But having that that kind of renewed joy in playing in, in Dampere, um was something that he mentioned uh, then. And, uh, yeah, he won it all with Mansa last year. And nobody parties like Henry Paputi. He was still going for days and days afterwards on, if you watched his uh, social media. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, he's he's an incredible outfielder. One of the things I like about Henry is when you when you watch him in the outfield, you can see the mind working. You can see the thought processes that he's putting in that some of the other inexperienced outfielders don't don't do. They might come too far off their line or sit too far back, and all of a sudden, um, you know, you've got some kind of uh, home run situation, for example, but uh, certainly in the final last year against KPL, he looked incredibly sharp. Um, but like you say, you know, if he steps into the the full time role as a joker, I mean, who knows what the limit is on on Henry Paputi? But um, yeah, having that that chance to rotate and and Mansi, you know, they've got 
um, the resources to be able to do that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how things go. But yeah, incredible milestone. And I'm incredibly pleased to, to see him still going and still going strong. One of the other uh, pieces in the news, of course, as well, was a slight change in personnel. Um, from uh, Patioki, uh, Lauri Vuolo, uh moved to Koskankorva, who have been <clears throat> struggling in the in the pitcher department uh, during the season. They uh, had Elias Pitkinen on loan uh, from KPL's second team at one point, and of course then uh, Pitkinen needed to step in for KPL's Super Basis team as well. But now Koskankorva with Volo. Do you think this is the the edge that they'll need to to stay clear of that relegation zone? I mean, after all, Patioki are the team or one of the uh, teams that they'll be fighting against for those spots. Well, first of all, we need to remember that Volo is uh, a player of Kempelenkiri, and uh, since. Patioki came to the point where their other pitcher uh, was like taking surprising, surprisingly fast steps forward, and they they came to like they came to a situation where they have a pitcher of their own who was born in two thousand and three. And as Topi still is uh, already a, like a, he has proven that he is already a super pitcher, which was a bit of a surprise to say the least uh, this season. Volo had ex- uh, experience from super from last year already. So since Koskinkorva has been str- struggling and uh, they had like uh, lots of changes um, in their pitching staff and uh, they were waiting for their injured pitcher to come back somewhere like in the beginning uh, before the beginning of the season in the interview that I did uh, with the game manager they were talking about like uh, late June maybe early July that they would get their regular pitcher back but the injury has proven like to be a bit worse and it might be that it's next season when he gets to play and those games with Pitkanen they well they pretty much like they pretty effectively uh, steered Koskin Korva clear of the relegation thread uh, we are recording this on the 21st and uh, tomorrow Koskinkorva is playing against uh, Yume Yusit of Senayoki and at, at home and uh, if they manage to even get a point out of it I, I think they're uh, they're clear and uh, Volo is a good he's also a good pitcher and so it's a good fit uh, he gets games and uh, Patioki can keep on improving their young pitcher and uh, so yeah, all good. Maybe not for the bottom two, but that's life. Well, 
Yeah, Padioki, uh, of course, uh, lost um, Topi Kosinen at the end of last season. So maybe there's some unwritten rules somewhere up there that they have to have a Topi at the plate. Uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, uh, I was intrigued to see that with, with Koskin Cordova because, like you say, it seemed to be one of their biggest question marks Um as the season progresses, you know, what was going to happen in the pitcher role. Um, but yeah, it's an important game against Senioki, um, who are struggling, and we'll come on to um, who's doing well and who's not later on. But uh, yeah, interesting development, and we'll see how that pans out. So that's the news, or the biggest stories in the news that I... Um, picked out but there has been something else uh, happening here in Finland it's actually one of the main reasons why I'm here um, and for those of you who follow me on social media uh, you'll probably already know uh, there are two uh, cricket tournaments uh, here in Finland uh, the first ever uh, international cricket tournaments being held here in Finland uh, for the T20 World Cup now, one of the things I love about uh, Pesapolo and one of the things I love about cricket is actually how similar parts of the sports are. Um, not so much perhaps in the way they look, but the way that they are played. The kind of um, tactics, the thought processes that go on, and it's some of those similarities that uh, that keeps me interested in both sports uh, and watching both at the same time. Um, Mikko, obviously, um, you have had some uh, involvement with people who have a cricketing background uh, when you uh, were coaching out in um, Bangladesh and Nepal for the uh, the World Cup that was in India. Some of those those differences can be quite hard to explain between Pesis and, and cricket. Um, what have your experiences been? Well, first of all, when I went to the Indian subcontinent, it was it was clear to me that uh, it is like the how should I say it that the position of the sport is. It resembles the set, the position that football has in basically in the rest of the world. So uh, it's a religion, and uh, like uh, actually, it happened uh, when I was in Bangladesh. Uh, their under twenty uh, national team won the world championship back then, and. Uh, when they came back home, they were like, they were treated as national hero heroes, and they had a parade for them, and uh, it was like they're very patriotic uh, about basically everything. So, uh, so yeah, like, like there, and also watching the uh, watching the games from India that made me realize that okay we're not just talking about like a big sport we're like I said we're talking about religion but 
Uh, I also, when I started from like an absolutely clean slate, uh, I, I still don't consider myself to be even a beginner when, when it comes to cricket tactics or anything like that. But I'm always intrigued to like to go into the core of the sport no matter what it is and try to think that what what is it that we want to do in this game what they want to do in this game and then maybe find some similarities uh, from those and obviously in bat and ball sports it it sounds kind of natural that they would be quite easy to find but uh, but yeah uh, that is that's definitely something that that is on my bucket list that uh, I want to go to see games in the Indian subcontinent and get to know the game uh, like thoroughly and also get some grip of the like uh, the rules and the language and uh, the positioning and the whole experience but but I'm glad that uh, they have now also established their place in Finland and that's a that's a very good start yeah I mean the, the organization over here in Finland has been growing steadily and this this tournament is one that um, has been in the works for a few years because, of course, COVID has meant that it's been shifted and changed and altered and all of that. Um, one of the benefits for it being put off to this year is actually the fact that my dad uh, came over and joined me uh, on part of my Swami tour uh, for this year. So he, he's um, he's watched a few Pesapalo games, both men's and women's, and including, of course, Italansi. And he watched the first couple of days of the uh, first of these two cricketing tournaments as well. And, you know, he's been playing cricket for uh, well over 50 years. Um, and he knows the game very, very well, uh, you know, at a, at a sort of uh, a club level. But uh, he's never seen Pesapala before. I mean, he's watched little bits when I've had it on um on the big screen in my house and he's come down for example um i watched uh, game five <laughs> last year between sipa and all on lipo uh, in the uh, uh the very final series of the season i had it on in the background so he sort of saw some bits in the background but he's never really understood the rules never really got to know the game spent the time with it and uh, i found myself uh, in the stands, talking to him, saying, oh, it's like this in cricket. Okay, I've got it. And I, I was amazed at how quick I could come up with these parallels and say, oh, well, that's like this, or that's like that. And he got it straight away. Or he might say, oh, is this like that in cricket? And I was like, yeah, you've got it. So I think the links are there. And like you say, this is this is a a global sport, cricket, and it's very well uh, viewed around the world. And in fact, the uh, the tournament here in Finland was live streamed around the world, 
and it was watched by 50 million people. I mean, this isn't England, Australia, New Zealand, India, Pakistan, all there, the, the big cricketing nations. These were teams like Finland, Sweden, Italy, Croatia, you know, and yet there was there was lots of people really interested to see it and keep watching it as well. So I'm really interested to see if we can build these links between the two sports because I think they are are they're there to be had and they can only make both sports stronger. I um I managed to have a chat with uh, Sally Balola of uh, Roy Hutteret uh, after the Kiritaret game uh, the other week and I was talking to her about the cricketing tournaments and she said, oh yeah, I played cricket when I was at school. And you you don't see that <laughs> very often because obviously cricket's not been taught in the schools for very long here in Finland and mostly in the Helsinki uh, region. But uh, I was really interested about that because I've been watching her for a while in in her the way that she fields and there are certain things that I recognise, and I think, oh, yeah, that's like how it is in cricket. Maybe that she's um, on an unconscious level using some of those little tactics, those little uh, things that she's learnt along the way, and built this um, uh, this version of how she feels uh, in the game uh, as a siapari. So I'm 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 really interested to see the future of this. Um, there is another tournament that's coming up. It starts on Sunday, uh, the 24th. Uh, catch a game. Miko, if you're coming, of course, as well, I'll try and teach you some of the rules. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an incredible thing. And Finland, um, they finished third in the tournament. Probably felt a little bit robbed. Maybe should have got um, the second place. But the way the tournament was organised... Um, it just didn't fall that way, but uh, Finland had an incredible, uh, incredible go at, at the tournament. Uh, so that'll do it for uh, this half of the show. Um, we'll take a short break, and then we'll be right back uh, talking Pesapalo, and we'll uh, talk through the men's and the women's super prizes. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, that's enough cricket for now. Uh, we're moving back, of course, to uh, Super Paces uh, and the men's, uh, first of all. We've talked about, obviously, some of the big highlights in the news, but Vimpoli at the moment, they seem pretty unstoppable, and they've got a um, quite a lead at the top of the table. Uh, Miko, do you think top of the table is a done deal for them this year? Yes, to put it short. I mean, they have two games against Monse, but uh, who are the like the other informed team at the moment uh, for me, and uh, are really coming up strong. But I mean, the gap is the gap is already so big that. I I think that it's like it's a done deal 
Well, they'll get first pick of their opponents for the postseason. But quite frankly, I don't think it's going to matter who they're going to pick because they're, they're going to go in as as strong favourites. Um, I know there are, there are teams uh, in the rest of the, the you know positions five to eight who can give them a good game, but over a longer series, I, it's it's Vimpley's to lose. I think at this stage. In the last episode, we talked about uh, Sotkamo and how they were hanging on in there with injuries. Uh, you mentioned that uh, it depends what kind of team they can put out towards the end of the season, but more particularly during the postseason. Well, Yoni Rutkinen is back, and he was a key figure uh, for this team uh, going into this season, and will remain so as long as he can stay healthy. Um, Mika, what do you make of uh, Rutkinen's return? He still needs uh, maybe four or five games under his belt uh, before he finds that rhythm. Uh, so far, his effort, like on the pitch, has not been on the level that we are so like we are used to seeing over the past couple of years. But I think that they're just uh, they are playing him in the in his own role, and uh, like thinking all the time about the postseason and uh, what he can bring to the team when he's when he's healthy and when he gets that like rhythm and those games so uh that's also a part of uh like we were talking about that is Bimbali unstoppable well i think that before the playoffs we will get into that matter but but we also remember, like, uh, just as a side note, that uh, a couple of couple of years ago we saw Jonsu Maila have a pretty much similar uh, regular season, and once they fell into a bit of a hole uh, against Govola in their like semi-final series, they they were not able to handle that, and. Uh, it may sound stupid like uh, to a lot of people, but it's always a question that does the team actually have to go through some kind of a adversity uh, before they can grow to be like the champions? And uh, <clears throat> it, it's the same with Sotkamo that they are they know that they are facing some adversity in certain games. Uh, they are not. They're playing well all the time. Their outfield is uh, excellent, but uh, they will lose some games uh, now, uh, every now and then. And uh, but but still, their their vision is clear. They uh, like a month from now, and uh, come September, they they will be like if they stay healthy. Uh, they they will be some some team to beat. Well, I was I was going to say I wonder whether um, having Rutkinen back this uh, this early um, was slightly out of a desperation or to try and get him back into the the swing of things. Um, 
but it's it's good to see things starting to to progress towards that postseason as you say um that adversity can be the key uh for the postseason there's a there's a saying of course in in English that uh, you learn more from a defeat than you do from a victory and well you can take that in many ways but certainly um Sotokamo are looking more healthy uh, as a team going forward despite them uh, losing uh, today at the time of recording incredible uh, end to that game so moving on We've seen Mansa start to get back into their rhythm, certainly now that they've got uh, uh, their new stadium at Colby uh, open. Um, do you think we'll see them try and push uh, for that top spot, or do you think they're they're done deal for second at most? Well, I will still give them like a slight chance of fighting for the top spot but most of all I'm just anticipating those games between the teams because uh, I, I don't also also like when it comes to Monza I don't think that I mean they would like to win the regular season that's like that's that's a given but if you if you take a look at the like the key players that they have uh i don't think that they're particularly like afraid of getting second and they i mean their the experience that they have the the idea of going to play an away game with high stakes is not like uh, it's it's not exactly formidable. Although uh, Sarakenta, for example, can be quite an experience when it's like packed. But but yeah, they are finding their rhythm. Uh, the game is starting to look better, and everything is starting to fall into place better. And uh, and uh, now. We also like saw this kind of a move that we normally see in ice hockey that uh, like Kosken Korva let like Akuketonen go to Manse and uh, he's an Italian player. He went there to like uh, he's off uh, Kosken Korva's payroll and uh, now he's like uh, making them even stronger on the outfield and giving them even one more up one more option on the outfield and uh, I just think that it speaks about the brutality uh, in the way that the top teams perform that they make the decision that winning requires I know that people do not like this kind of moves uh, but but it's uh, but it has happened. It's it's within the rules, and uh, it's like <clears throat> I mean I don't I don't want to see things progress into that in in Pesapala either. But now it is what it is. Well, like you say, 
Um, there's nothing uh, wrong in terms of the rules um, about Ketanen going to uh, to Mansa. But certainly a lot of people on social media have been quite upset about it, actually. Um, and, and feeling... It's only more so that uh, Koska and Korova have been robbed uh, one of their talents, I suppose is one of the ways of putting it. Uh, being a Dundee United fan for lifelong, I'm I'm fed up of Celtic and Rangers nicking all of my uh, my team's players and putting them on the bench, um, <laughs> which is what they used to do. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the schedule that remains for the rest of the season for for Mainz, and yeah, they've got some big games coming up. There's uh, Vimpoli at Sarakanta on the 26th. Kovala uh, in Kovala on the 2nd of August and then uh, the return leg for Vimpoli towards the end of the season on the 15th of August. So there are some big games yet to come uh, for this Mansa side and it'll be interesting to see uh, how those play out. Speaking of Kovala, uh, Yannick uh, Ivipelto is, is back uh, in the lineup. Um Mikko, do you think Yanni uh, is back to uh, his uh, usual strengths yet? He's still a big unknown to me uh, in terms of this season. Like uh, those, like all of all of a sudden, some something happened. And we don't, we don't know what it is. I mean, a, a lot of people may know and think they know what it is. But anyway, he was out for a while. And, uh, and it remains to be seen. I mean, it's like the... For me, having seen him now on the plate, it's looking pretty good. But maybe I'm being too critical because uh, just just before that game in Wimbledon, uh, we had like a picture ranking in our studio, and uh, I put him in like the top three at the sorry at the top four at the moment, and possibly in top two with Apokomolainen. So. And then all of a sudden he started to miss the plate all <laughs> like completely, and then he went off. So uh, that's a big unknown. And uh, in I, I mean, and it's his last season, and uh, so the so-called last dance. So it's uh, I I mean for his sake. For the career that he's done and developed uh, on a later age, so on, so to say, uh, I hope that he gets to his best level and uh, gives it one more shot to winning that missing title. Uh, he's been the pitcher of the year twice, but doesn't have the title that would mean the most to him. Yeah, I mean, like you say, Pitcher of the Year twice, which includes last year when KPL lost in the final two months, so who had uh, Johan Portimaki as well, who's, who's also won previously Pitcher of the Year. So uh, that tells you something 
uh, about how how well he can pitch and how how well he he does in that role um does seem off uh, at the moment uh, hopefully like you say we'll see because this is his last season he announced um earlier on this year he's desperate for that title and as a everybody in Gobler, uh to be honest i think um they are making an incredible bid for that title uh, for this year um but certainly at the moment they they're sitting a little comfortable in in third realistically but um they would like to be pushing um uh, Southcombe and uh, Vimpley Mansa even uh, a little bit harder as well so that's the teams that are going well at the moment one of the teams that we talked about on the last episode who were going less well um was Johansson Myler and Johansson haven't changed that much since we last uh, spoke about them on the podcast except for maybe even more erratic we saw them um against Kankampan Myler uh, using them for target pa- practice i know that there was a number of uh, Kankampa, uh players out from that game anyway um but they 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 were having a a nice relaxing <laughs> Uh, game and then they get blown away by Mansa just five days later in the next game. Is is there any hope here for for your Mar? They they seem stuck at at most that fifth place at the moment. It's not where they want to be. It's not where an an organisation like this with the level of facilities they have. And some of the level of talent they have on the books uh, should be as well. Um, again, you know what, what what's going on with Yoma? Well, uh, I think that the main main issue is that it's just not a unit like like we see with the other like top teams. Uh, for me, I don't see. I don't see who are the leaders of that team. Uh, there are some, like I said in the previous uh, episode, that there are some players who have the like the ability to be a leader, but let's say most of them are playing in Yoma. Uh, like the, it's their first season there, so they're not like. They haven't. They're just looking for their natural place at this point, and uh, it shows. I mean, when when push comes to shove, it's like I, I was just counting that if you if you take a look at the away games against the top seven that they have played so far, uh, I think there were five five away games so far out of which they have got they have gotten two points they won in Kobola but e- even in that game they won the first Yaxo like uh, z- yeah 0-2 and the other Yaxo was 10 versus 1 and uh, the scoring chances in that game were something like Kovala 19, Yoso 6, or whatever it was. But 
Yeah. But, and the, like, in those games, they have scored uh, a total of 16 runs, and uh, I think it was 55 runs scored against them. And, like, before the Muncie game, uh, the game manager, Mikko Huotari, was saying about the changes uh, in the lineup that they are trying to find a team that would win these kind of games. And we're, we're 20 games into the season and they're still trying to find the winning formula to, like, to get anything out of uh, the games when they have to go to other like so-called big teams and uh, yeah I mean a lot has to happen but the the worrying sign for them is just that there are absolutely no signs of like more positive things happening that right now if they would have to play a best out of five series against uh, any of those top four teams uh, I wouldn't give them more than a 30% chance at most. Yeah, I think um, uh, your, your friend Yere mentioned on uh, Twitter the other, or, or Facebook the other day that, you know, what, what chance to do you and Sue really have? I said, well, okay, maybe in a single game, they can edge any of these teams. But in a best of five, and to have to do it against each, well, the three of those top four teams, realistically, I mean, I, I can't see it happening at all. I, I think it would be almost impossible for them to, to make it to the champion. Yeah, I mean, uh, I probably also mentioned this earlier, the as long as the situation on the outfield is that their their outfielders are unable to catch anything that moves, I mean, for example, a ball, that is like that is a bit of an issue, to say the least. And it's no matter what kind of personnel they they put there, it's like it's an absolute like embarrassment to the position and uh, and yeah I'm uh, I've been surprised by that but uh, it was bad last year but it has just gotten worse well spoken like a true outfielder as you were yourself at Miko um going from worse to worse Kankampan Milo, as we mentioned a moment ago, they were being pinged for target practice by, by Yomar. Have they got anything left to give, or is this team now completely spent? They are completely spent. And uh, that is... I mean... If some team that I know of from recent history in Superpesis has had their struggles. It might be like Kankapa this year and they have been some remarkable stories to say the least. 
I mean, financially, some teams have been worse off. That's that's for sure. It's not like they are rich uh, in Kolkata either, but but in terms of like uh, hitting, getting hit by COVID uh, the second time this year, getting injuries, uh, game in, game out, and also uh, what is like uh, what's important is that the same players have to be like stressed to the extreme in every game because like they they don't have those options to to go anywhere else and when you add into that that they're like their main uh scoring threats and batters their chokers they have lost their confidence like completely it's uh the whole package is just it's just falling apart and uh at this point it's uh it's just they are uh they are playing like a middle tire uh Ukerspecies team uh no offense to Ukerspecies, but uh it's like uh it's like a house of cards they when they come like to their first optical they they just fall apart and after that it's it it, it looks ugly mm. well I, i'm just looking at their their past results here the last time that they earned some points was the last time that they won a game and that was on the 14th of june so it's about a month and a half ago now um and their closest rival in the table, Sanioki, um, beat them just the other day, quite convincingly. Uh, uh, when you when you look at it, um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is a team that looks completely, completely gone. Uh, but whilst we're mentioning uh, Sanioki, the troubles for them may continue even if they manage to secure their place in Superpaces by staving off relegation because as we've mentioned previously some of the financial issues um means that they may not be able to get a license to be in super prices uh, for next season uh pay all the wages and all sorts of things like that um miko do you think that uh, we're going to see that uh, sort of thing happen i mean it almost happened for them last year yeah nobody knows i mean it's it's one of those places where, where uh, we can talk about the importance of having a super team. And uh, right now it's looking like uh, they they might have to go down and they that is like a necessity. But, but you never know. I mean, somebody at the area might like come to... <laughs> come to the rescue and uh, just uh, secure that they they get the license for next season but I don't know they have a good core of young and upcoming players who are not ready for super passes yet so I don't know if like uh, getting promoted from Ukerspecies is not an easy task either so uh, and the <laughs> <laughs> and now that they have this like these uh 
so-called mammals from both superpeces and ucuspeces, it was not a surprise to me that they were uh, there were teams in superpeces who were under serious threat of not getting a license for next season. But also in that memo, it was like that not many ucuspeces organizations are actually ready to get the license for next year and uh... yeah I think the only sorry I, I think the only team um, that actually would be eligible for a license is, is Harmina um, but they're, they're, they're a work in progress at the moment obviously as you know uh, the role I have with them I, I follow them quite closely and do a lot of articles for their website too and yeah they're, they're not the polished article yet they're not they're not in that final stages, their their lineup's not set. So in terms of how realistic a chance that they can earn that spot in Super Basis is give and take. But um all on Lippo, they've been banging at the door for for a good number of years now for, for uh, promotion super basis. Um and yet we may see them in a similar position. Uh, at the end of this season, not being eligible, as you say, for uh, that license, even if they um, walk through uh, the promotion process. So that's the men's uh, super basis. Uh, turning to the women's, um, Mansa still sit uh, quite tidy up at the top of the uh, division, and we're seeing a bit of a, a gap now forming between the top three and fourth place Lapua. Um, we've seen some interesting games uh, recently between some of the top four teams. Um, Kuritaret and, and Pori are both uh, winning close games against Lapua. Um, what do you make of this uh, this top end of the women's superpaces, Nico? Well, first, I mean, the most important thing is that the, the top four remains quite tight. And uh, that we see, uh, we see results where like they win against each other, and uh, but now when we since we're talking about like Monza, that is now the like the big talking point, obviously because uh, now there are in a weird situation where they have two pitchers of the year in their ranks uh, Eli Gattelos who was pitcher of the year in 2015 who plays as a joker and Sandy Sullivan who was pitcher of the year in 2017 I think who came up like in in the game in Joensu uh, she just started to have issues uh, with hitting the plate and she hasn't played ever since. So they had to move a player, Yasmin Andreasen, who played, who has, she has played like uh, as a pitcher, I think, for about 10, 11, 12 games previously. And in the junior leagues, she played as a pitcher. But now she's been playing on the outfield in the uh, on the second base side and uh, and yeah, I mean she can do the job 
and with their firepower uh, they will absolutely like uh, walk over uh, any team outside of the let's say top four but that's going to be an issue when when they're going going to play against for example Bori and Kiretare uh, Lapua like seems like that but it r- remains to be seen what's their answer and uh, that's that might be the like the adversity that we're talking about but I just hope that Sandy gets back uh, she's one of the most talented athletes that I've ever coached, uh, including men and women. And, uh, so, uh, I just hope that, yeah, that is just temporary and, uh, we will see her back even this season. Yeah. Well, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, looking at their schedule coming up and, and the games they've just had, they've actually had a, a relatively easy schedule the last few games for, uh, for them. Uh, Gempele, uh, Darkom and Rojo Tourette. Um Claiming wins in all of them, not not so much of a problem really, although the Gempele game was perhaps a little closer than they would have liked. Um, but their coming games uh, on the schedule are against Pori and Kiritaret. So the next couple of games now, at the time of recording, will, will be some of the more interesting things that we'll see in the run-up towards that postseason. We keep mentioning Lhasa and wondering whether they'll stay in the top eight or not. Or rather, I pose the question, you always say yes. Um, I doubt that that's changed. They, they're doing incredibly uh, well. Um, they seem to be uh, turning results around uh, in the middle of games and, and getting the points they need. They currently sit in 8th place, 3 points ahead of Tarko. Um, I may be bashing against a brick wall, Miko, but are they going to stay in 8th? Well, now I need to maybe like move my stance a little bit because that would be a strong maybe at this point because uh, like looking at the way I mean some what they are extremely good at is they are digging digging like like you said they 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 kind of sometimes change into a different team in the middle of the game but I, I think we know that that cannot be like statistically sustainable. And also when we are taking a look at their like scoring chances in comparison to other teams around them, uh, right now they are actually overachieving a bit. And what we need to be like taking also into consideration is that the the bottom of the table has it, it it has tightened up tightened up so much that uh that Vasa is like Mailatarat are at uh, eighth place but they are only six points above the bottom team of the table. So 
right now I would still say yes, but I, I was still like, for example, Tarko has been the surprise package uh, lately. They they got those wins against Rojutaret and they managed to even like win against uh, Kiritaret. So uh, I I think it could be a really close call and uh, it, it will measure those like they we have to remember that they are a promote, promoted side so it will measure a lot of things well talking about the the schedules and and, and that i'm i'm looking at theirs now and in the recent results um they lost both of their games to Purtuan, um, giving them five points, basically, from the two games, which has been a massive boost uh, for Purtuan, Um and put them back into the mix. Coming up, Vice have got two games against Lapois and one against Puri. So, okay... We know that they've had some some successes earlier on in the season, and they still do now and then. But they're going to be hard pushed to get some key results there. Um, talking of key results, uh, you mentioned a moment ago about the uh, the two Tarko wins over Roy Hutteret. Again, that's mixed that pack at the bottom of the the table up uh, quite a bit, and it's very tight there now. Um, as I say, the bottom of the table, uh, they're all on the same number of points at the time that we are uh, recording. So, Perto and Campele uh, and Roy Hutteret, all with 11 uh, points. So, it's anybody's game at the very back end of the table what's going to happen. Um, Miko, do you think... Any of those teams have an edge at the moment? Do, does somebody have a, an easier schedule than the others or a spark of something that you think uh, might just tip it? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about uh, the spark, that might be the more important thing. I mean, obviously, the the strength of schedule is, is a big like uh, factor, but... Out of those teams, it's uh, right now. Right now, it's uh, Hubinka and Bertua who have the who have that spark in their game and that newfound confidence, and uh, so they can dig some more results. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are morale boosting wins and. That can carry a team uh, really far in in women's superpasses when when like uh, when it's such a tight package. Well, during the week, I I sent you a message and <laughs> I said, in the men's superpasses, are we seeing a point now where the top four are realistically settled, the top eight are realistically settled, and we kind of know who's going to be in that bottom two and uh, and facing relegation. Looking at the the women's super bases, certainly at the bottom, it's going to be a lot harder to read. And actually, as you say, that that eighth spot um, that we've been writing in pencil for Varsa 
Um, we may need to get our rubbers out and just rub that out towards the end of the, uh, the season, but we'll wait and see. Well, uh, that'll just about do it uh, for this episode of uh, the Super Pisces Roundup. I want to thank, of course, my co-host, Michael Pirhanen. Thank you. It's been, uh, it was a good, good talk once again, and it's been a privilege, like, Having, having having you here already watching the games and we're gonna see one more live uh, in Huvinka La one time on Saturday uh, so it's it's extremely good and uh, I hope that we get to do this like in the future too with obviously Ron involved <laughs> yeah we'll have to coax Ron over maybe in September he'll be over um, waving the flag for Vimpoli, uh, if, yeah, if yeah, they do indeed yeah. make it to he, that he, final. He he sure will. I mean, he will say <laughs> he will, he will come up with some solution to do that. I mean, he wouldn't miss it for the world. And of course, uh, thank you from me, uh, your host Ian Alba. And if you like uh, what you've heard, and I hope you do, then please like or subscribe to the podcast. Heck, even leave us a comment. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at SuperPesisR. You can even read my articles on the blog. In fact, uh, we reached uh, 10,000 page views uh, this week since I launched the new site in September. Uh, the blog address is superpesisroundup.wordpress.com and you'll occasionally see me writing articles in English for Hamina's website and on the Poltolinia website as well. Uh, but from us here at Super Passes Roundup, we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away